Hey guys, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Life from the perspective of a military family member is way different than a civilian standpoint. Military children and family members give up their hopes and dreams to be able to stand by and support their service member, and it isn't an easy lifestyle for anyone to live. I hope that this podcast is able to help connect the military community and give others just a glimpse into what the military life is like from the perspective of spouses and children. Hi everyone, welcome to Grace of the Military Child in Life podcast. I am here today with Caleb to hear more of his story and what it was like growing up as a military child. So hi Caleb, welcome hi. to the podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your parent who served, what branch, um, things like that, and what it was like growing up military. So my father, Sergeant Lloyd Sawyer, um, who is now medically retired, uh, was originally a civilian funeral director before he ever joined the Army, and he did that probably in, into his 30s, and after 9-11, uh, he wanted to get into the Army, and so around 2004, my father joined the Army uh, in a mortuary affairs unit, completed basic at the age of 34. Wow. Um, he then went on to serve a six-month tour in Iraq, responded to two mass casualty events, processed over 200 bodies in Iraq, and uh, returned with severe PTSD um, and traumatic brain injury, and was later medically retired by the Army. Um, and so I, I never really moved around a lot. I was born in uh, eastern North Carolina in a little town called uh, Bellhaven, uh, like two traffic lights. Um, <laughs> And but when my when my dad joined the army when I was I was about to turn five it was that Christmas we moved up to Colonial Heights Virginia next to Fort Lee and I started uh, kindergarten the following year um, but uh, I we never moved again after that because after my dad's first deployment he he was not doing well and so he was shortly retired and so uh, we I, I never had the the whole keep moving around all the yeah. time experience. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So did you go to school on base then when you moved up to Virginia? Did you start there or did you go public? No. We went, I went to uh, the Colonial Heights public school system. Um, we had three elementary schools and I went to the big one with like 500 students. Uh, and it was, a, it was a good time. Yeah. I, I loved all my teachers. Um, and I got a pretty good education. Yeah. Was there a lot of military kids there as well, being outside of the base, or there there were some. I wouldn't necessarily say a lot. I would say there were there were probably more students on base or in some of the other surrounding areas. For for some reason, there just wasn't a place that a lot of military kids went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because some bases like when I lived in Fort Sam uh, in Texas, the you had the schools on base, but then the surrounding schools off base were just filled with military kids too. Uh, there was also like three bases. There was Joint Base San Antonio, so Randolph, uh, I'm going to one other name, but then another <laughs> Air Force base and then Fort Sam. Um, and so they were, there were, there were three bases kind of in close proximity to each other. So there was just military kids all over the mm -hmm. place. <laughs> so kind of growing up then, because you didn't really, you know, grow up fully immersed in the military life for uh, a long period of time. Um, what was it like kind of growing up and, you know, feeling the effects of the military 
you know, throughout your entire life then? I, I had actually regularly been to kind of like the funeral home before mm-hmm. my dad ever joined the army. I, I had a very interesting perspective on life as, as someone who, who saw a decent number of dead bodies as a child. Right. Um, and my dad joining the military, we moved and, you know, I had that, uh, that kind of idealization of them of, you know, like my dad has joined the army. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, and, you were so uh, young too yeah. that it was, it was, it was, at that point I would be like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, so cool. And, yeah. you know, it's a different lifestyle yes. for sure. Um, but then since he kind of got bad so fast, it, uh, I, I spent, I remember spending one Christmas probably around second or second or third grade where at that point they had committed him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent Christmas at the hotel next to, oh, what was it? Um, not Walter Reed. Um, Bethesda? No. Um, I can't remember the name of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he ended up committed for six weeks at that point. I think he mm-hmm. went back for more time later. And it was, uh, it, it hit him really hard. Yeah. And so... Well, I spent a lot of time taking care of my dad, and it was a little little bit of, like, me and my brother being on my own a little bit more um, and staying quiet around the house because he was kind of always in a high-stress position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, not. yeah, of course. How old were you around that time? Um, around that, I was seven, eight. Yeah. Um, some Sometime around then. Um and I have, a, I have a younger brother who's 19 months younger than me, who, but that's more of what the only thing he remembers is that's just how it was. Yeah. Um, but you kind of remember yeah. the before, during, and like the after effects yep. of it all because you're a little older. Yep. Yeah. I have a sister who's 15 months younger than me, so uh, kind of very similar. And uh, like I was was nine when my dad got hurt and so she was eight but because I mean we were both a little older so we kind of remember a lot of what happened but I remember so much more than she does just because of those 15 months age gap and you know the way we both aged and everything and how we both remember things and all of that and it's kind of it's weird how just a little age gap between siblings can be so different when looking back at the past and remembering. So, it's really, it's, it can be strange. Yeah. What was it like kind of growing up then in that kind of environment and then, you know, going out into the real world and, you know, experiencing, you know, even dur- just during school, like, what was that like kind of the home versus, you know, outside life? It was kind of weird. I didn't really... For me, it was always just kind of like, this is how my life is. Yeah, it was normal. Um, and and I never really thought about it as much in high school. Yeah. But, but by the time that I got to my freshman year of college, like it, it kind of started to click like, this isn't everyone else's normal. Right. <laughs> but because you grew up in it for yeah. so long, it was your normal. That's what you were used to. Um, I went from 
like probably living the most high stress that I ever want to be to college being breeze in comparison. Yeah. Um, I, I love my family and, and we have a great life, but it it definitely had its stresses. Um, yeah. And I and I definitely wasn't as aware of them then as I am now, which is probably for the better. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's definitely like every like families that go through these traumatic situations that, you know, are not favorable, but they do happen. I think, you know, being so young in these situations has its benefits because, you know, it just becomes our normal. It's not, you know, we don't have to make these changes, like huge changes, you know, as we would as teenagers and stuff like that. Um, But rather we grow up in it but then you, you hit, you know, adulthood and you look back and you're like, oh, you know, not every family does this like we do or, yeah. you know, things like that. And so it can be a little strange. What was the transition then like from from that to college? Did you live at home still? Did you move out? Did you kind of have that a huge click, like you had said, of this is you know, my life has to change now. I So I was living in Colonial Heights next to Fort Lee all the way from kindergarten through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, graduated from Colonial Heights High School. Um, I went on to Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was kind of just going through my first week of classes on my own, not looking forward to my... Uh, actually, no, at that point, I was, I was definitely looking forward to 8 a.m. multivariable calculus, <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Not many uh, people look forward to that. Well, well it was just because I had been used to getting up at 6 every morning to go to uh, high yeah. school. And I was like, oh, I get to sleep in until yeah. 7? Oh, this is great. That's huge. Um, An extra hour of sleep. Yeah. And uh, I kind of went through that first week of classes, and I just realized that there's there weren't, there weren't all these high-stress moments. It was mm-hmm. just like, I'm just going to class. Yeah. And... I went back to my room and there, there was no one to talk to. I didn't, for my first two weeks, I didn't have a roommate. Um, oh, wow. I was just, I, uh, I guess he had, he had signed up to come and they put his name on the door to be my roommate and my double and he never showed up. Oh. So I had an empty bed and my double. His mind. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I just, I kind of had, kind of had a week or two there where I just had a lot of time to sit and think to myself and, you know, kind of reflect and I'm just, and and I watched and I saw all the other things everyone was doing and you know they could just they felt like they could go do whatever whenever and I was kind of like what no I have to I have to be doing something and mm-hmm. just but it finally clicked that like at a certain point I had done all my homework and there was just nothing to do mm-hmm. and so I was like well I guess I'd go do all these other normal things <laughs> <laughs> yeah because what do you do when yeah. Everything's done. You yeah. have nothing left to do. Um, there's no, no like all the appointments that like everyone needed to make it to, and we all needed to work our schedules together to figure it all out, and you know. Yeah. Figuring out what time we were all gonna have dinner together, I was just I had this very weird uh, moment of independence where I was just like, oh, well, guess this is how it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely weird. So I still live at home, uh, and I'm going into my senior year. Uh, I, I lived at home uh, freshman, sophomore, and I kind of 
I kind of skipped over one year. I don't know which year I skipped over, but I skipped over one of them. Um, and I lived at home for the last two years of college, and it's definitely weird still to an extent because I'm going to school, I'm doing, like, I have an internship, I have, like, all of this stuff that I'm actually doing myself, and then, you know, balancing that with family and everything going on at home. So it's definitely weird and definitely definitely a, cha a challenge to balance everything, uh, but I think it would definitely be, I'd have, like, that moment of, okay, well, there's nothing to do now. If I if I were to live somewhere else, <laughs> that moment of confusion of okay, everything's done now. It's quiet. I get lonely. I get really lonely. I was lonely last night in the hotel room by myself. I was like, what do I do? <laughs> there's n there's no one for me to talk to. You know, everyone's asleep. What do I, what do, I do? Yeah. So I definitely think it would it would be because you know we go from this high stress life to essentially a low-stress life, you yeah. know, moving along, and then it's like, okay, low-stress, how do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely, I, I can see that being a challenge for sure. So what kind of things then did you, I guess, fill your time with? Did you look at I, I would be one to take more classes. <laughs> like, did you did you kind of balance that out to figure out how to adapt your high stress lifestyle to more of a lower stress? Or yeah, so um, I was always very much an academic kid. Yep, um, that's I me. I was uh, going going to college was really fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, go deeps. Um, <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I took I took 17 hours my first semester, which they had warned me against. I was taking, <laughs> like they said, only take two STEM classes, and I was taking Chem One, Physics One, Honors, and yeah. Multivariable Calculus. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, still running out of work. <laughs> <laughs> and those are some some intense classes too. Yeah. And and so, finally, just had to go make some friends. <laughs> Find people to go out to eat with, um, hang out, you know, do do all the fun like things people associate with doing at college other than class. Because mm -hmm. um, everyone looks at college and they're like, oh, it's this party life. Like, you know, there's so many things to do. It's exciting. It's independence. It's, you know, there's parties, there's games, there's, you know, all of this stuff. I'm very academic. I took 16 hours my first semester, 17 my second. I take, you know, full loads over the summer, yeah. like, I do everything, and everyone's like, how, how, how do you do that and not, not go to parties, and I'm like, I, I just don't, yeah. you know, so it's definitely, you have to be like, okay, hold on, I'm done with all my classwork, I have to go make friends now, yeah. you know, I have to have a social life too, so it's, it's balancing all of that together. Well, yeah, after... So after my, my first semester, I had started, you know, feeling around where my place on campus was. I had made some friends. Uh, I had some really good times with some great professors. Um, yeah. my, my next semester, I started looking into getting into research because I, I knew walking in that I wanted to study statistics and physics and that I wanted to go on to get my PhD in something. I wasn't, I wasn't quite as clear on, like, what I wanted to do, but 
Well, you don't have to be that early yeah. in college um, either. But but I knew that my goal was I wanted to go on, get my PhD, and I wanted to have some kind of like professorship position. That's that's kind of my dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my second semester freshman year, I started talking to one of my TAs about getting on a research project with her. Um, and so I started spending some extra time learning how to work on the project that she was working on for her dissertation. I started playing D&D with some friends. That was a great time. One of the most fun activities uh, I've ever done. But I just, I started trying to pick up like the kind of extracurricular things as a as opposed to adding too many classes. I think I did take 19 hours my, my second semester freshman year, but it was only because your freshman year classes are the easier ones to take, oh, so you want to so knock out the, the gen eds and stuff so that yeah. you can take less hours later well, on. Well, and that's when it gets fun, too, is yeah. a lot of people look at the gen eds and they're like, oh my goodness, there's so much I can choose from, and I can pick different options, and then I can choose my major. And, like, I mean, already knowing what you want to major in, yeah. you're like, all right, let's get these classes out of the way. They're kind of boring, and let's move on to the fun stuff. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate in that I correctly guessed what I wanted to do. Well, like, that's good. Like the classes that I went on to take were the classes that that I wanted to do. I got it. I got lucky and got it first try. Yeah. Um, and, and now I'm a physicist, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, I so I worked for three years on a research project with COVID kind of getting in the way in the middle of it. COVID ruined a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I ended up with a lot of time getting to do research, getting to know a lot of my professors very personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that ultimately set me up for then going on and doing some more research at the, the associated hospital with the university. I got published on a research paper back in December. Mm-hmm. And I am headed on to USF for my PhD in medical physics. Wow. So, got a lot done. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And USF is like two hours away from me. Oh, awesome. I love it down there. Uh, it's a beautiful campus. Um, but yeah, it's it's so insane, like, just the amount of sheer work that you can get done in so, so short of time when you actually kind of have that plan in mind and when the plan doesn't change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, when the plan changes, a lot changes. I went in saying exercise science, I was going to be an athletic trainer, I was going to work for the WWE, I had this huge plan, and then slowly by slowly it started to to change. And so now it's all like, okay, my bachelor's in health science, my minor's in marketing, but I'm going on for a master's in marketing and want nothing to do with health. So like, you know, things change, and, and it's crazy how things change. But tell me a little bit, because uh, we're in Alexandria with No Greater Sacrifice, and so obviously you are related to No Greater Sacrifice as well. So tell me kind of how you got involved with No Greater Sacrifice and how they helped support you through your college journey and uh, how they still continue to support you because, let's be real, they're a family. Yeah. And once you're in it, you can't really no, leave. No, you're in it. <laughs> you're the in it. for life. <laughs> exactly, which is nice because yes. let me tell you, not a lot of people are like that, but yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Um, so my mom knew about NGS through through spending a lot of time taking care of my dad, um, mm-hmm. testifying on Capitol Hill. Um, she got into a, a lot of inner circles and got to meet a lot of people 
And so she she could probably say more about how she exactly heard about MGS, but then she was like, Caleb, you're applying to this. Yeah. Um, you need a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> you need a scholarship. <laughs> it's amazing. They they have gotten me through my four year degree debt free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I did get I got financial aid from the college. I got help from some other scholarships too, and and no greater sacrifice put forward a lot of money to help me go to my dream school, get the degrees I wanted, and I'm continuing on to do my dream job. And it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy ask either. Yeah. Um, cost of attendance for this upcoming year, just for the year at Wake Forest University, is eighty three thousand dollars. Oh my goodness. Um, is I, that out of state tuition or in state? So it's state? private. So it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't okay, that um, makes sense. Yep. And I mean, you get what you pay for. Right. Um, I the biggest class I ever had was thirty two students. Yeah, and my classes are like. 64, a couple in the 30s, but <laughs> like 64 or more students. I, I had several classes with three or less students. Mm. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. And I had personal access to all my professors yeah. pretty much around the clock. And that makes a world of a difference, it, it too. It does. It's huge. That, was, that wasn't even the reason I actually initially picked it. So I applied <laughs> early decision. I, yeah. I locked in my decision. As my senior year of high school, I knew I was going there. Um, as of like by the end of October and yeah. so I was you know just kind of relaxing throughout the rest of my senior year of high school but the guy in the info session when I first went to tour and I had been telling my mom like oh it'll just be another college tour whatever yeah and uh, he said you only have to take like a freshman year's worth of like gen ed classes and you d- you can take your like literature class in whatever like department you want and I'm a big classics guy, and I didn't didn't really like my English classes necessarily in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just I just didn't like that literature. And so he said, you know, you don't have to take an English class. And I was like, sold. <laughs> that's, that's, it. That's, that's it. Where do I where do I sign up? I'll figure the money out. <laughs> but I'm coming here. Yeah. Sometimes um, it's just those one little like those little itsy bitsy things that you're like, okay, I'm sold. That's where I'm going. <laughs> And I, and I fell in love with some beautiful campus and everything. Yeah. I received so much support from everyone there. And it's it's been a great experience. Yeah. And I owe that all to no greater sacrifice. I could I could not have gone without their support. Yeah. yeah. It's a club you never want to be a part of, as Rebecca always says. Yeah. But let me tell you, it's a great club to be in. Yeah. It's a great club to be in. We love no greater sacrifice. And, yes. and all they do, and it's incredible. Um, all, all the work they put in mm-hmm. to, to make dreams happen. They do. So it's really incredible. My last question I always like to ask is, what advice would you give to another military child? It's like the hardest question ever, but what advice would you give? This, this is a tough one. I know. Oh. And oh. I always hit people with it at the very end. Always keep your chin up. Yep. Definitely start looking for scholarships. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's a ton out there, let me tell you. <laughs> do what you really want to do. A lot of people have made a lot of sacrifices to enable that. And so you should take advantage and follow what you want to do in life. Because you can't necessarily do that everywhere else. Yeah. And it's a privilege here. Yeah, for sure. It's great. And it it's sometimes feels... 
at least for me, at least, it's, I mean, I didn't do anything to get all of this. I mean, my dad did. I didn't do anything, but it's all, like, handed to me, and I'm like, okay, well, I didn't work for this, <laughs> but, but so many people have made sacrifices before us, and now we have access to it all, and it's, it's incredible that we have access to all of it, and we can, you know, go to college debt-free, live our dreams, and actually do it. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey and everything that goes along with the military life. And yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child and Life. Make sure to set a reminder for every Tuesday to listen to a new episode. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Grace of a Military Child and Life. If you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, send a message to one of our social media platforms or email grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. See you next week.